you're not the boss of me now, and you're not so big. Welcome to Life is Unfair, the Malcolm Middle podcast, where we watch and talk about every episode of Malcolm in the Middle in chronological order. Today, we're talking about Hal's Christmas gift. Forgot to write down the uh, air date. Wow. Real professional here. It's almost like we've been doing this for 8 million seasons. Which originally aired December 19th, 2004. And Jake didn't have to look that up at all. He went right away. Obviously, it's in my notes. And it was directed by David Grossman and written by Alex Reed. Hi, I'm Jake, and this podcast is going to be a thousand times better than Disneyland. And I'm David, and I'm not going to stand here over the toilet and rank you, me, Dewey, Reese, and Jamie in order of popularity. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks. <laughs> also, little known fact, I record from the bathroom because Jake won't let me leave it. And before we get into this week's episode, we have our community segment, uh, which we are joined by community expert, Eric. <laughs> yeah, hey, expert. I'm too. <laughs> <laughs> Only for this community segment. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. weird. He said he refused to do the rest of the episode, but he wanted to be involved in this. So. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I only want to be part of every community segment from now on and no further episodes. And after they actually hear the episode, they're going to agree. I think. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, if they hear the episode that we just recorded, they will also <laughs> only want you for the community segment and maybe not even then. Exactly. <laughs> also, careful signing yourself up for more segments, but I know how many podcasts you're on. There's and always I will room bring for you more. in for every community segment. <laughs> don't te- don't tempt me. <laughs> Eric just shows up for the like three minute community segment. <laughs> Uh, to give the insight on who i voted for and why oh my god yes don't worry we know it's francis (laughs) (laughs) i love how we're having Uh, callbacks in the segment that we that's actually going to air before the episode so they have no reference to what the callback is from correct it's it's called foreshadowing (laughs) yeah this is good storytelling yeah also, you've had some insane Francis theories. <laughs> insane or factual? I don't know. Well, <laughs> oh my lord, this is worse than the Girl Scout cookie argument. So, what do we got in our community segment? <laughs> well, first of all, David, we've got some poll results, as Eric was alluding to. And these results are looking back on Pearl Harbor, which for that episode, we were in agreement. On Dewey being the shittiest kid for turning his back on Hal. And the internet agreed with us with Dewey getting 83% of the vote and Francis getting 16% of the vote. Once again, without being in the episode. (laughs) How many votes for Jessica? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Not a single one. Not even a poll option. Hmm. Seems like an oversight. Someone should form a committee or something. <laughs> Get again, Eric, after this community segment. <laughs> oh, change of plan. Next one, baby. <laughs> See you next Thursday. <laughs> because we, we only judge the Wilkerson's for shittiest and least shitty kidful. But we did actually have a reply that's more relevant than uh, Eric's nonsense there. 
as uh, Joe Balls on Twitter re- replied on that poll asking, is Jamie ever going to be up for nomination? The, f- he is the baby? A Wilkerson, but yes. To be fair, there is an episode where I asked Jake if I could nominate Jamie for an award, and he said no. I think I was after, like, least shitty kid, though. Yeah, it's tough to judge, like, a one-year-old morally. (laughs) No, I'm a parent. I've done it a lot. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll see. Maybe we'll make some uh, exceptions in the future, but I feel like, in general, we're going to exclude Jamie from the polls. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Then, uh, for that same episode, for least shitty kid... Uh, you chose Malcolm based on Reese immediately assuming that Malcolm was gay. This is why you chose Malcolm over him. While I chose Reese for, like, self-improvement for being better than he has been in the past with some, like, homophobic... Homophobic? Uh, homophobic behavior in, in, like, past episodes. But, uh, back to you're, that poll. <laughs> you're gonna have so much editing for this community segment? No, I won't. Oh, it's all staying in! Wow! <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Including the two minutes of Eric's <laughs> recording before anyone else was recording. <laughs> I'll stay in it. <laughs> oh, that is some really good inside baseball stuff. And that uh, we'd actually have to have Kyle listen to that because we actually did uh, commend him on his Feathers and Friends appearance. So, Yeah, cut yeah. that out. Yeah, that's the only time. Maybe I will do some editing. <laughs> It's not like he's going to listen to this anyway, right? So That's true. Right. Dude, I literally did just compliment the man, and then he walked out of his room. The first thing he said to me was, you're the worst. And then he went upstairs and started attacking my wife. God. That'll teach you. Yeah. Yeah. Really what was I thinking? <laughs> Fucking Kenny. Well, the audience agreed with me. That's good. Going <laughs> back to that poll. Uh, as Reese won with 50% of the vote, with Dewey actually coming in second with 25%, and Francis and Malcolm tied for last with 12% of the vote. Which is insane. Again, Francis not in the episode. (laughs) (laughs) I think Eric won someone over with his insane Francis theory. That's for least shitty kid, though. If he was only getting votes in Shittiest Kid, sure. I guess fair. But he's getting but... votes in both consistently. <laughs> I mean, I guess the argument there is if he's not pictured, he must not have done anything wrong. So, like, that's the... Ah. I think you guys explained it as that was, like, the third-party vote. That was, like, I, I don't yeah. feel confident in voting for any of the other people on the ballot. So I'm going to, like, I'm going to vote. I'm going to exercise my right to vote, but I'm really going to abstain by voting. Right. So, yeah, that's that's it, that kind of thing. It's that. Like. It's also, I feel like, because now I'm coming up with weird headcanon shit, I feel like there's someone out there that Jake has persuaded that Francis is, like, a perfect hero, and mm-hmm. they're voting for Francis even when he's not around, and Eric has persuaded the uh, the dark version of that, and so they're always voting Francis' shittiest kid. Gotcha. Yeah. It's the opposing okay. alignments against each other. You know? Might be onto something. And uh, we also have an email. Oh, my. Ugh, which means I have to try to pronounce this name. Uh, we, got, we, we got an email from Hellyar. I believe the pronunciation, based on some Google searching. 
If not, I apologize. <laughs> yeah, Jake's real bad at names anyways, so. You're not wrong. And I don't see the emails, so sorry, whoever you are. Uh, it's H-E-L-J-A-R is how it's spelled. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Hell yeah. Yeah. And he says, I recently discovered your podcast, and I am almost a year behind. I've been re-watching Malcolm the Middle along with the pod, and in the episode High School Play, you discuss Hal and Dewey's utopian Lego city, and claim that Dewey has lined up a lot of Lego men everywhere. Uh, these are clearly not Lego men, but Playmobil men. Playmobil is another popular kid's toy brand, sort of like Lego, but with pre-built cars, buildings, etc. instead of bricks. I should know because I played with both of them a lot as a kid. Just had to get that off my chest. Keep up the great work. Well, Hellyar, in about a year or so, you're going to encounter someone else named Luke who's very antagonistic, so I think you're, <laughs> you're bringing that same kind of energy, but thank you for listening to the show. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm glad you found it. Hopefully you get to this soon. Uh, we appreciate you. Uh, also, I should have caught that because I, I, too, have played with those, but wow. I How did I? Mm, damn. Damn it. You really dropped dropped the ball on that one, Dave. You know what? I I did I did. Uh, maybe Jake. It was because uh, at the time I believe this was that episode was pre Kellogg's research. <laughs> mm. I think it would have been. been around. It's it's around the, the first Kellogg's debacle. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I hadn't really devoted to doing deep dives on the show yet. It was definitely pre Pop Target. Oh, well, Pop-Tart Gate was just a load of malarkey. Listen, that's when Eric started his conspiracy theory bullshit. But anyways. <laughs> Hello from under the bus. I'm Eric. <laughs> Listen, that's not even the worst under the bus I've thrown you. <laughs> That's true. Uh, this episode. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, at least you're here to defend yourself this time. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> I always just assumed that that was, like, the props department, like, making their own, like, off-brand Lego mint for, like, some weird, like, trademark reason. Yeah. Uh, I did not have, like, Playmobil stuff growing up. I did not recognize them at all. I, I should have, and I didn't. And uh, thanks for pointing that out. Oops. We, we do appreciate the feedback. Because we're frequently wrong about things. So, uh, thank you for holding us accountable. That's right. Wait till he gets to the map episode. <laughs> but, uh, that's all for the community segment. Uh, thank you for joining us for this community segment and for nothing else, Eric. Oh, of course. But catch him next week uh, yeah, on our next episode. Every week. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> For this and only this. I'm going to have to do a lot of adding on the next episode then. Right? <laughs> okay, well with that, let's get to this week's episode. We have a cold open. Let's start with Reese sitting on the couch, throwing a ball at the wall, like bouncing it off the wall and catching it. And as he's doing this, he knocks a painting of, like, some flowers in a vase off the wall, and it, like, tears, and in order to cover this up, we, we then see Reese, uh, like, takes the painting and is, like, gluing it, well, like, putting glue on the back of the painting, and, and you can see that there's something else underneath, and, and then it, uh, like, cuts to a shot over his shoulder, 
And you can see that there is a another painting under this one. And as Reese is about to like put the glue down, he looks at the name on it and says, Pick ass O, and like sort of chuckles to himself as he tapes the uh, flower painting over top of it. It's a very funny name, Jake. <laughs> Clearly. Who would be named Picasso? Clearly no one important. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, that raises so many questions, and I have so many theories now. I cannot wait for the next yeah. Cranston connection that I can use my theories. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm keeping them to myself for now, but uh, I have come up with what I'm pretty sure is the true origin of Hal's characters. And I think we finally saw the uh, the sort of reveal for it here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's the man. only way someone like him could end up with a Picasso. I mean, it happens. People end up with these kind of things that, like, rubbish sales and shit randomly. I feel like you don't end up with a Picasso randomly. No, no. That's a legitimate thing that happens. Meh. <laughs> Not very often, but it does happen. But uh, getting into the episode proper, we have sort of two plot lines. Uh, one sort of happens inside of the other one, for the most part. Enough so that I wasn't certain Jake was going to make it two plots. That is fair. Uh, but we will be starting with the Malcolm, Reese, and Dewey-centered plot line. Which okay. sort of ends up converging at the end with the other plotline. And for the most part, it sort of happens inside of the other plotline. And as for what I think you named this, I think you named this the SH plot for Secret Handshake. <laughs> so close. I, but also not anywhere close. I get why you thought that, and it probably would have been what I went with if I didn't go for a very stupid, obscure reference that I don't know if anyone's going to get. Shocking. It's the Fraternal Order of Christmas, Jake. The FFO, or the FOOC plotline. Okay. You, you want to explain what that is, Dave? <laughs> no. Okay. No, it, it would take a while, but uh, it's, it's 100%... Uh, applicable here okay i guess i will take <laughs> your word for it uh it's a reference to a and admittedly that i may be misremembering slightly from an old christmas movie that we used to watch all the time when i was a kid <laughs> and uh immediately the uh brother being excluded uh and like it while admits all the christmas shenanigans made me immediately think of it that's about it. Uh, <laughs> it has nothing else to do with this plotline but that. Okay. Moving away from that uh, plotline, name. <laughs> <laughs> it starts with Malcolm being bored as he's laying on the couch, writing in a, uh, like, small, like, notebook. And uh, he, he has made himself a little flip book with it. Uh, with it just uh, being the word boring over and over. And he complains about how boring Christmas break is. And says that he wishes he cared about something. Then he'd have something to do. 
Which was almost my intro line. <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> then Reese and Dewey come in, and Dewey says that Reese has come up with the most fun thing ever. Riding your bike through the graveyard with your eyes closed. <laughs> and he explains that Reese was doing this, and he hit a tombstone and went flying and landed in an open grave. <laughs> Sounds pretty fun to me. <laughs> And Reese says that it was oddly calm <laughs> laying in the grave. He no longer fears death. <laughs> <laughs> it was cathartic for him, and that's 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 appropriate. Clearly. And Malcolm like starts to complain that they didn't invite him. And like initially they say, uh, of course we did. And he says, No, you didn't. You guys walked right past me out the door. I thought you were in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> and uh then Malcolm says that uh it's okay, but uh you my feelings kind of and then he uh turns to camera and says, Uh oh <laughs> as Reese and Dewey upon hearing the word feelings like turn and smile at each other and then turn on Malcolm saying, Your feelings got what? <laughs> 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 and they Start making fun of Malcolm for having feelings, sarcastically offering him a group hug, and Malcolm explains to camera that feelings is the F word in this house. That sounds right. <laughs> then, uh, later on, during Christmas, uh, Reese and Dewey are whispering to each other, like, sitting across from Malcolm, and he asks them what they're talking about, wanting to be included again. And they, like, insist that he wouldn't be interested in what they were talking about. But Malcolm says, you know, no, no, if it's interesting to you guys, it'll be interesting to me. And Reese says we were discussing what nose hair smells like. <laughs> and Malcolm tries his best <laughs> to, to sound sincere as he says, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> 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 then, as... Like, most of this episode uh, takes place in the family van, for reasons we'll discuss in the other plot line. Dewey, Malcolm, and Reese are all in, like, the middle seat. And Dewey and Reese do a secret handshake, which is why I thought that might be the name for this plot line. And, like, Malcolm watches them do this and turns the camera and says, Oh, now they have a third grade secret handshake. I think I got half of it. <laughs> I do remember when that was, like, the popular thing when we were younger, and I always fucking got annoyed. I, not even because I was excluded. I would get annoyed when people would try to teach them to me. Fair. Ugh. We, we then, uh, gets to the, uh, scene that your opening line comes from. <laughs> As, uh, at a rest stop, Reese... Malcolm and Francis are all at, like, a trough in the bathroom. Like, one of those, like, giant multi-person urinals. And Reese says that since no one wants to play, uh, wants to race cigarette butts with him, uh, he, he's gonna go. And he leaves Francis and Malcolm alone. And Malcolm, like, turns to Francis and says that, uh, he... Wants to talk to him about something, and he explains that lately he's been 
feeling left out with Reese and Dewey. And Francis immediately apologizes, saying he wasn't supposed to find out about the beach trip. (laughs) (laughs) That causes Malcolm to, like, turn and almost pee on Francis. (laughs) As he's shocked to hear about this and immediately asks, What beach trip? (laughs) And Francis explains... That uh, last summer, he took Reese and Dewey to the beach without Malcolm. Uh, He was going to take Malcolm, but he was at Stevie's house. (laughs) And Malcolm says, Stevie lives two blocks away. You have to drive past his house to go to the beach. Yeah, but then there's all that stopping and, you know, unpleasant (laughs) goodbyes. I I get it. And uh, Malcolm says that... uh, you know, he doesn't understand why this is happening. He's the brother that everyone likes best. <laughs> Francis immediately says, no, I'm the brother everyone likes best. <laughs> and Malcolm, like, clarifies, saying, you know, uh, of the brothers that still live at home. And Francis says, no, that's Dewey. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that Francis has a good, I mean, not totally correct, but a good grasp on you know, the pecking order of the brothers. And when Malcolm asks where he stands in this order, Francis says, I'm not going to stand here at a public urinal and rank me, Dewey, Reese, Jamie, and you in order of popularity. (laughs) (laughs) Then back in the car, Malcolm has like finally had enough and he uh, like, like turns to his brothers and says, I know we don't really talk about our feelings, but, uh, you know, I, I want to get this out. My feelings are hurt because I'm being systematically excluded. And then he starts to explain that being excluded always hurts and it's worse for him because he can see uh, everywhere else in the world that he's excluded. And Francis immediately calls him a gas bag and says, your feelings aren't hurt, your ego's just bruised. And Reese says that the reason they leave him out of stuff sometimes is because he always has to be the special one. That tracks. That's, that's, I mean, listen, I've been saying this about Malcolm for a while now. Fair enough. (laughs) And uh, Francis points out that, like, even in his uh, explanation of having his feelings hurt, he made it about him feeling things more than other people. Then... We're going to, uh, leave this plot line with, a uh, one last little tidbit before we go to the other plot lines. They sort of come together. But, uh, we then see, uh, at a, like, garage-slash-gas station that they're stopped at, uh, everyone gets out to stretch their legs, and Reese and Dewey ask Malcolm if he's going to come with them, and Malcolm says... Uh, are you sure I can come? I might start talking about myself. <laughs> and Dewey just, like, looks at him and says, like you just did. <laughs> then, uh, Francis, Piyama, Reese, and Dewey, like, all go over to a couple motorcycles. And they're, they're, like, looking at them and talking about how cool they are. And they get knocked over. And the... Uh, owners of the bikes come out and are, of course, you know, mad that they're standing next to their, their bikes that are on the ground. And Malcolm intervenes and 
tells these bikers that, uh, you know, that these uh, people standing here next to the bikes didn't do it. I can't just stand by and let, you know, so, uh, innocent people take the blame. <laughs> and he says that uh, his dad's the one who did it. He knocked them over uh, as a way of trying to make me not want to be like you when I grow up. And he points to a stranger who's, like, stepping out of the gas station and the bikers, like, run over and drag this guy off, presumably to beat the shit out of. And, uh, Malcolm is hailed as a hero by Dewey, who's, you know, talking about how he is a good brother after all. And Reese says that he could have taken those bikers, but that was probably the right thing to do, since there's a chick and a baby here. I love the face Piyama makes when she looks at him. <laughs> then... Malcolm offers Dewey his coat, as he is, you know, in good big brother mode now. And uh, when he puts his coat on, Dewey finds a receipt in Malcolm's pocket. Which, uh, that that's where we'll leave that plotline for now. Because that's where it sort of intersects with the other plotline that's been going on around this one the entire episode. <laughs> and uh, going over to the sort of main plotline, the... The Hal's Christmas plotline. There's a lot of options for this one. I think you have named this the Point of No Return plotline. Again, Jake. Very good guess. And almost was that the name, yes. However, this is the MB plot for Mount Bundy. Fair enough. Because <laughs> like you said, there were so many options in this episode. There were. <laughs> but this plotline starts with Hal and Lois sitting at the kitchen table, arranging their Christmas money into piles for the boys and, like, moving money between the piles. And it also, it's, it's sad to say, but it looks like they busted open a piggy bank to do it because it's all, like, coins. <laughs> Yeah, they, they do have, like, a wad of bills as well, but yeah, it, it's it's a lot of quarters. <laughs> and uh, Hal talks about, you know, how difficult it is having $93 to, uh, you know, try to buy toys for three boys. And when he says that, it makes Lois realize that they don't have a pile for Jamie. <laughs> so they have to start all over. Why does that not surprise me? <laughs> Poor Which, Jamie. Uh, Hal initially doesn't even want to do that. He says, uh, you know, Jamie's so young, he doesn't even know it's Christmas time. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I'm not with Hal on this, but I'm kind of with Hal on this. <laughs> Money's tight. The baby doesn't know the difference, okay? I promise you. <laughs> They're not going to get mad. I mean true <laughs> but uh as they uh like are starting to divide this up uh lois says that it's their fault that they you know that they're in this situation they should have saved more yeah that's true uh how you know ask what more could we have done we're we already have no electricity wednesdays lunch lotteries and family <laughs> flush <laughs> and as he is dividing the piles into four, Francis calls and tells Lois that uh, he is going to be home for Christmas after all. 
Which Lois is, like, saying this, like, through gritted teeth to Hal to, like, let him know that, you know, there's another person coming they're gonna have to buy a gift for. And then, like, asking, and Piyama too? And uh, Francis says, of course. Lois says, you know, it'll be so great having everyone here together with gifts for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and she hangs up and Hal asks, so six piles? And Lois says, now five. Piyama and Jamie can share. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, we see Lois sitting in her car, uh, in, in their new, like, junker car that, that we saw the uh, bodybuilders dragging in Busey's Runaway. And as Lois is, like, sitting there uh, with, like, a list, the woman who is, like, parked next to her hits her car with the door, like, when she opens it. And Lois, like, leans out the window and tells her, I know you think that no one would notice, but I saw what you just did. You could at least apologize. And this other woman, like, looks at Lois's car and says, well, it's, it's not like I'm going to lower the resale value. And at that point, Lois, uh, like, slams her door open directly into this lady's car and, like, pointedly looks at her and says, I'm sorry. Just do that. <laughs> then uh, this, like, escalates as the other woman, uh, like, once again opens her door and slams it even harder into Lois's car, which prompts Lois to, like, repeatedly slam her door <laughs> into this lady's car. Then uh, the woman, like, gets in her car and backs out, and as she does, she, like, intentionally like, scrapes all the way down Lois's car, like, like the full side, <laughs> and drives away. And Lois starts her car, and it turns into, like, full-on destruction derby. As they just start slamming into each other's cars. It's the level of destruction that anyone with any amount of road rage wishes they could do to somebody's car. With the amount of, you know, consequences that they wish would also occur. Now, see, I would have just started smashing my own car. That's how you really assert dominance. In those... <laughs> you, you smash your own taillight and you scream smash off. That's what you do. <laughs> Calm down, Jason Menzooks. <laughs> but uh, this, like, full, like, like, destruction derby between Lois and this other woman ends with them, uh, like, both of their cars, like, barely running. <laughs> They're like... Slamming on the gas, and their cars are just barely moving <laughs> as they had for a head on a low speed head on collision. Nah, oh, it's so funny. I love to do shit like this. Then it just cuts to Lois explaining what happened to Hal while Reese and Malcolm are like standing off to the side with giant smiles on their faces. Yeah, Reese, Reese straight up looks like the Cheshire Cat. Like, <laughs> man, I don't think we've seen him grin like that in a long time. And she, like, tells Hal that, you know, it was an out-of-body experience. Uh, she was watching so this woman lose her mind, and that woman was her. <laughs> but if she was in that situation again, she'd do exactly what she did. <laughs> It was almost worth totaling her car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a lowest sentiment, man. 
and Reese like starts to say something, but as soon as he opens his mouth, Lois cuts him off, saying, Don't say a word. This is my one <laughs> to your eleven thousand. <laughs> <laughs> then she tells the boys that because of this incident, they are now completely broke. And as such, they will be doing a handmade Christmas. All of their gifts are going to be handmade by each other. And when Malcolm and Reese complain about this, Hal says that they, you know, shouldn't be so materialistic and that uh, they're the ones who turned Lois into a ticking time bomb. They should just be glad she took it out on an innocent bystander. <laughs> <laughs> Then we go to Christmas Day, where Malcolm explains to Cameron that they've just finished their Christmas feast of oatmeal and hot dogs. And uh, Hal is out in the garage as he is still working on his handcrafted gifts, which uh, consist of a, like, homemade version of Boggle that he has named Bloggle. Uh, some, like... Popsicle stick, like, figures with pictures of the boys' faces on them, and coupons for free hugs that are apparently a $10 value. Then <laughs> <laughs> oh. with Lois, like, you know, yelling at him that uh, it's time for gifts, he needs to come in, he, like, quickly, like, dumps them all into a bag and heads inside. And they start exchanging gifts with... Dewey giving Hal his present, which is a, uh, like, homemade picture frame with a picture of Lois in it. And Lois is shocked that it's such a good picture because she never has good pictures. And Dewey explains that he, you know, spent all this time going through all the boxes in the attic just to find this good picture of Lois. And he made the uh, picture frame all on his own and it has, like, a little fishing pole and a golf club. And he even, uh, glued the jumble that Hal finished to it. <laughs> then, uh, Reese gives, uh, his present, uh, to Lois and Hal, which is, like, a big box full of homemade jams and candies that he made. Then, uh, Malcolm gives his gifts, uh, which are wooden clocks that he says he, uh, made in woodshop for them, as he gives one to each of them. Then uh, Dewey gives Lois her present, which is a sonata he composed, and uh, she, like, tells Dewey to hold on so that Hal can start giving his presents out. And Hal, like, immediately looks uncomfortable as he, like, looks at where he, you know, put his bag of presents, uh, and then, like, looks at all of these, you know, great gifts that the kids gave them. And panicking, he says... My gifts for all of you aren't here. <laughs> and when Lois asks what he means, he says, Clearly, a gift that could live up to all of these great presents uh, isn't here. So it must be somewhere else. <laughs> and the boys interpret this as Hal saying that there's a treasure hunt for their gifts. <laughs> which Hal quickly agrees to. <laughs> and... As they're, like, about to run out, Francis and Piyama arrive and are upset that they've started opening gifts without them. Then, uh, like, everyone runs out into the backyard as the boys are looking for this, uh, 
you know, great gift that Hal got them. And uh, as they're, like, going into the backyard, uh, Francis tells Lois, you know, he's so happy to be home for Christmas. Which Lois just completely ignores, walking away. <laughs> and Piyama, like, turns to Francis and says, You called this house Satan's trash can. <laughs> You're quoting me out of context. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Then, when the boys, of course, don't find any gifts in the backyard, Reese asks if they have to drive somewhere to get it. And Hal, continuing to dig his own grave, <laughs> says, uh, Reese has figured out the first clue. We have to drive to this special gift. And he has everyone hop in the van. <laughs> then, uh... As they are driving, with uh, Hal clearly having no plan, it just continues to get more hyped up as Dewey asks uh, if they're going to Disneyland, and Hal says that where they're going is a thousand times better than Disneyland. Which uh, prompts Dewey and Reese to start just chanting, We love Dad! We love Dad! Then, uh, when they stop at the rest stop, which we already mentioned, uh, Lois stays behind in the car with Hal, and, uh, she just, like, silently stares at him as he, like, squirms in his seat, and he, Hal, like, turns the radio on, and she immediately turns it back off, and finally she confronts him, saying, you could have at least just said twice as good as Disneyland. I mean, she's not wrong there, that's, like... <laughs> the oversell of the century, man. <laughs> and Hal like, says, you, know, you saw the gifts they gave us. What was I supposed to do? What did you get them? <laughs> Lois says she made them lanyards. Which Hal says, even that's better than what I had. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong, but... <laughs> And Hal asks, yeah, how much money do we have? And Lois says, zero. And Hal says, no, I mean, with credit cards and spare change, how much exactly do we have? And Lois says, oh, minus $512. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> and Hal uh, asks Lois if she can think of a Christmassy reason why they should stop so he can sell his blood somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and Lois says, you know, he doesn't need to do that. It'll be fine. You just have to find something a thousand times better than Disneyland that's open on Christmas and free. <laughs> yeah, super easy. I don't even know why she's concerned. Uh, she says, uh, you know, they should just go home. They uh, they don't e might not even have gas to get home. But Hal says, no, they still have 40 miles. He's done all the calculations. <laughs> That's right. He figured out the point of no return. That's right. Then uh, Dewey comes back to the card, gets in, and he asks Lois if this special Christmas surprise is really as good as Hal is saying. And Lois just says that... She He's going to remember this day for a long time. They're all going to remember this day for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> then as they're continuing to drive, uh, Lois, like, is looking over at the gas gauge and says, you know, there's only five miles before the point of no return. 
And she's like telling how, you know, we may as well turn around. You're not going to find something in five miles. And Hal calls Francis up to the front saying he needs help with the radio. <laughs> and he asks Francis to borrow $1,800. <laughs> and he even has his whole plan for how he's going to repay him. <laughs> he's going to pay him $39.50 a month for the next six years. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Which uh would be a lot of interest on Francis's part. Yep. I assume you did the math. I did. And that's where we get the revelation of uh the very controversial closing out of the ranch saga. Yeah. Like the fuck. Right. <laughs> Is, uh, Francis reveals that he got fired from the ranch because uh, he was depositing Otto's money into what he thought was an ATM, but apparently wasn't. Then he says, uh, so sue me, which Otto is doing, which uh, There's does no not way. add up, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no way. Otto would not sue Francis. If anything, he would say it, it was an honest mistake. Yeah, for sure. Th th like, this does not track at all. It does not. This is this is poor writing and insulting to Kenneth Mars and an amazing character that was Otto. Yeah. Yeah, I I would say like overall probably the biggest weakness in Malcolm the Middle is like ending character arcs, like like wrapping up characters. Yeah. It's like a with the exception of Spangler, like, we basically never get a good resolution for a character who leaves the show. We saw, like, a very poor send-off for Cynthia. Like, none of the Krellboins got, like, a proper send-off. Yeah. And, uh, this is, like, the, the worst instance of it. Yeah, I don't, I don't like this at all. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. I'm in agreement. Okay. Because, yeah, I, man... Otto was such a good character, and, like, man, he had such a good relationship with Francis. I mean, he was like a father figure to him in a lot of ways. Like, why would you ruin that? Right. I don't know. It That one that one grinds my gears a little bit, not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they could have just had, like... The ranch go under. That would have made sense with what we've seen of the ranch. Right, yeah. Otto is not a businessman, that's for right. sure. And it would like, have made, like, just as much sense for Francis to be hiding that from Piyama as, like, getting fired. Right. Yeah. But, uh, instead, they did this. Poor choice. Poor choice. I agree. But, uh, upon revealing that, uh, you know, uh, he's been fired, and he's broke, so he can't help them. He also says that he's been, you know, hiding this for the last couple of weeks from Piyama, uh, and she thinks they've just been on vacation. Huh. <laughs> Which, uh, Lois's immediate response is, you're not moving back in, there's no room. <laughs> 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 While, uh, like, Hal goes into a very... Lacking self-awareness speech about how you shouldn't hide things like that from the people that you love. <laughs> honesty is the cornerstone of any good relationship. <laughs> but uh, with that plan having failed and Francis going back to the uh, back of the van, 
uh, Lois tells how, like, okay, you know, that, that was your last-ditch effort, we're at the point of no return, turn around. And instead, Hal just pushes the accelerator down, going forwards. <laughs> I mean, listen, sometimes when in doubt, double down. <laughs> it's the Hal method, as we've seen here. Clearly. <laughs> then... Uh, they stop at the gas station, as we mentioned, uh, and Hal is pretending to get gas because they can't actually afford to get gas. So he's just standing by the pump making, like, beeping sounds. <laughs> I think at one point he says, like, ding, ding or something. Yeah, he does. Yes. He's just going ding, ding, and, like, covering the, the uh, like, price amount and stuff with his hand so no one can see that it's on zero. <laughs> Then Hal tells Lois he just wants 60 more seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and Lois, like, initially tells him, no, you're being ridiculous. But she, like, finally sighs and says, fine, and starts timing him as Hal runs off to start rummaging through the tra the dumpster. <laughs> then Hal's uh, next plan is, like, he's, you know, climbing out of the dumpster and walking back over to Lois. He, like... Almost lifts on some, like, oil. And the uh, light bulb goes off and he turns to Lois and says there's gonna be Christmas after all. Oh, and he boy. starts, like, doing an exaggerated, like, stumbling around, loudly declaring that he's slipped on some oil left by a overworked and careless employee. <laughs> <laughs> and he... Throws himself through the window of this gas station. <laughs> and the owner, like, runs over and, you know, asks Hal, are you okay? And Hal, like, pats himself down and is, like, miraculously uninjured, which he's very disappointed to find. <laughs> and he, he uh, like, sounding very sad, says, I'm fine. <laughs> and the owner says, uh, uh, that that's good. Is I don't have insurance. We both dodged a bullet there. <laughs> uh... And meanwhile, uh, the receipt that Dewey has found in Malcolm's coat pocket is a credit card receipt from a clock shop. Which uh, Dewey is immediately upset that Malcolm bought the presents instead of made them. While Francis is like shocked that he has a credit card. And Reese is angry that Malcolm didn't use his credit card that time that he glued his eyelids shut. <laughs> he, he says, uh, you could have paid for it with your credit card and we wouldn't have had to call mom. You know, that's fair. That's a fair point. <laughs> and they uh, all turn on Malcolm, of course. And as Lois and Hal, like, come over... Uh, like, as they round the corner, uh, they immediately tell Hal and Lois that Malcolm has a credit card and he bought the clocks. Which, uh, Hal, uh, like, says, yeah, in shock, you have a credit card? And then starts, like, talking about, uh, you know, how, how he shouldn't have bought those presents after everything that he's been through. <laughs> and, uh, he, he, like, starts telling Malcolm... Uh, when Malcolm, like, says how expensive the clocks were, he says, you know, it's not about the money. All I want from you on Christmas is this. And he gives Malcolm a hug. And as he's giving Malcolm a hug, he pulls the wallet out of his uh, pocket 
and slips the credit card out before slipping Malcolm's wallet back into his pocket. And Lois, seeing this, like, looks away, and how, like, declares, you know, finally revealing what their big surprise is as he, like, looks around, and he happens to see a, uh, like, uh, poster for a uh, ski resort, and he tells them that that's where they've been headed all this time, and... They proceed to go to this uh, resort, which they pay for with Malcolm's stolen credit card. And Lois, like, turns to Hal and says, This has to be our low point, right? We've, we stole our son's credit card. Surely we can't keep getting lower. Then uh, she says that, uh... You know, the, the, the boys might have a fighting chance if it wasn't for her anger and Hal's recklessness. <laughs> but Hal says, uh, what are you talking about? Your anger and my recklessness are what makes us such great parents. After all, if it wasn't for those two things, we wouldn't be having this uh, Christmas resort right now. Then <laughs> <laughs> Piyama, like, pulls Francis aside and tells him that she wants him to quit his job. And when Frances asks why, she says that, you know, he's been so happy these last couple weeks that she just can't uh, bear, bear to see him, like, go back to this job. And Frances, of course, goes along with it, saying he's going to call Otto tomorrow morning and uh, tell him that he's done, and uh, if he has something to say about it, so what? In fact, they shouldn't even go back to the ranch at all. <laughs> then uh, the last little bit of this episode is as they're like all walking over to the fireplace for some hot cocoa. The uh, like receptionist at the front desk uh, calls out, have a good stay, Malcolm. And <laughs> Malcolm goes, thanks. And then like turns around and like gets a very concerned look on his face as he realizes, why does this lady know my name? <laughs> <laughs> and that wraps the episode up that's right so let's go to our awards yeah, bum, bum, bum. yeah. awards and as usual we will start with our roller skating keen award our award for the best visual moment what did you have for this one david uh the slow collision uh, between Lois's car and the Mustang, dude, it's <laughs> so funny. And I love the overhead, like, action-style sequence uh, there. And then the, like, showing Lois screaming. And then this little old lady behind her just walking past her faster than her car can go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, my, my initial choice was that whole Destruction Derby sequence. But uh, so, so, since you uh, took that, I will go with my backup, uh, which is Hal's homemade gifts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those are funny. <laughs> and just how clearly shitty they are, <laughs> which is uh, just a, a, a fantastic visual gag. <laughs> I agree. I, I found them to be very funny. Then uh, moving on to our next award, what did you give your Hot Dog with Mustard Award, your award for the best line? Uh, well, I almost gave it to my intro line, but I ended up going 
instead with the uh, the line from Malcolm when he's talking when he's breaking the fourth wall in our house. That's the f word talking about feelings. Fair enough. <laughs> I gave my hot dog with mustard award to the lowest line. I'll try sharing the blame for this, but honey, your fingerprints all are all over this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very true. <laughs> so, uh, again, a thing that I do love about these uh, later seasons is that they're like very aware within the show of how weird and eccentric Hal is. Yeah. It's very clear that the boys are immediately going to know what has happened here when everything is revealed. <laughs> oh, yeah. And moving on to our next award, what did you give the A-plot of your heart? Uh, I had to give it to the uh, the main plot line, Christmas gift plot line. I just, Hal's craziness and this sort of idea of uh, having to to be able to do better and then all the just absolute insane things that have to happen for this plot line to even exist is uh, hilarious to me. I love it, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, fair enough. Uh, I actually gave it to the other plot line. Uh, Malcolm? Ugh. Yeah, uh, one, because I, I do love Francis Little. I'm not going to rank you then act just ranking them very clearly. <laughs> Man, like, I, I like them calling Malcolm out on his bullshit in that. And, uh, that is, but the, the, the main reason is that the other plot line has, a it has the auto stuff in it, which I don't like. And, uh, the, the stealing Malcolm's credit card stuff also kind of rubs me the wrong way. It feels a little bit out of character to me. Okay. Then, uh... Who did you have as your favorite character? Uh, my favorite character for this is Hal. Even though he's a total piece of shit. Fair. Which is <laughs> kind of why he's my favorite for this episode, honestly. I I like seeing... I mean, that's going to sound fucked up, but like, I like seeing Hal being reduced to the level of the rest of the family. <laughs> and I know it's happened before, but and I've always loved those episodes. Like, I feel like we see this from pretty much everyone else before Hal. You know what I mean? Like, Hal is like the last one to be brought down to their level and then beaten with experience. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like it happens with Lois less. I guess it's just that when Lois does it, it's so spectacular. Because, yeah, now that I'm thinking about it and, like, actually trying to, like... Because I was trying to come up with specific examples to refute you with. But I guess you're right. I guess Hal does it more, but when Lois does it, it's, like... It's the difference between, you know, accidentally hitting someone with your car and deliberately shooting them. They're both <laughs> horrible things to have happen, but uh, they're on vastly different scales. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh... I mean, very relevant to this conversation. I went with Lois because of her stooping to the level of the rest of the family in this episode <laughs> by smashing that other woman's car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I figured as much. Uh, Lois also almost got it from me for that exact same reason. <laughs> 
and, and then just like her very like monotone explanation of what it was like is right. also very funny to me. Uh, oh, I would agree. This definitely hilarious. One of my favorite parts of the episode is not only the Demolition Derby, but then listening to Lois explain the Demolition Derby. And uh, who did you give your Cloris Leachman Award? Your award for the best acting. So normally this one's pretty clear for me, but this actually took a lot of like back and forth on this episode for me. I ended up settling on Brian Cranston. It's a very Hal-heavy award show for me today, but I... The faces he makes and just the like the the gifts and then the uh, panic and the sort of like desperate begging, uh, it's just so funny to me. And while I agree that obviously there's stuff in this episode that we didn't like, I don't know, like both the plot lines felt so intertwined to me that it was hard for me to like separate it out. That's fair. So it's more of a knock to the episode than to any particular timeline for me. So, yeah, I I don't know. Hal's performance is just so good. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I also chose Brian Cranston for this. He does just such a good job at being, like, the, the, the increasingly desperate, like, just, like, beyond all reason, well, like, uh, very, very, like, Nicolas Cage-esque, like, gradual meltdown. <laughs> Yeah, he's so good at playing desperation, you know? Yes. Yeah. Then, uh, who did you choose for your Mrs. Dabney Award? Your award for the worst parent. I ended up giving it to Hal. What? (laughs) Yeah, weird, I know, right? (laughs) Uh, but yeah, the whole stealing the credit card thing, lying to everybody, you know, all that fun stuff. Yeah, for sure. Hal, very clear choice this episode. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, there's there's not any competition at all. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, as I've said before, these last few seasons definitely uh, do call into question if Hal and Lois are uh, good parents. <laughs> this is one yeah. of the episodes I had in mind. <laughs> That's fair, because... <laughs> wow! <laughs> yeah, this is... Fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, it is. <laughs> Jesus. Like, I I had some pretty fucked up parents, but I even even my parents wouldn't have done this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, and trust me, actually they had the opportunity to and wouldn't do it because what a lot of people aren't gonna know, and I don't know if you know this, but like the money that I used to like buy my first car and like pay to be able to go see my wife in the beginning and stuff like a lot of that came and like how I afforded to do sports and everything when my family was poor as hell I had a a fun setup from when that dog attacked me and uh bit off half my face uh when I was three not technically half my face but a lot of it but anyways I had a fun setup that my mother managed until I turned 18 that's where the money for, like, my second car came from and, like, the money for flying across the country to go see my wife um, and, like, all that stuff. That's where all that came from. It's what paid for my martial arts and everything and my fencing and all my other sport activities and travel and shit. Gotcha. My parents totally could have taken my money. Fortunately, they didn't. 
Yeah, this uh, th- 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 this is a rough one for uh, Hal and Lois. You're right, well, bro. Like Hal more so, but uh, man, they're both pretty fucking awful here. Yeah, like the the just random snapping and then just going demolition derby on some random lady at the mall because she door dings you. Like, goddamn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like, the, the, like, stealing from Malcolm things, like, especially fucked up, like, with the last episode that having, like, established that, uh, like, Reese and Malcolm have been, like, giving their checks to the family as well. Right. But, uh, moving away from that, what did you have for your OK Boomer Award, your award for the moment or detail that sets the episode firmly within its time of release? I actually went with the Mustang, because that is very clearly a 1998, potentially a 96, but it really looks like a 98 Mustang, and uh, those things were all over the goddamn place in the fucking early 2000s, man. Uh, No, David, that was a car. Yeah, yes, Jake. Not a horse. Oh my god, I hate you. You're such a... (laughs) You're the worst. And somehow, I should have known to expect it. (laughs) (sighs) Anyways. I gave my OK Boomer Award to it being a plotline, a a weirdly common plotline in the late 90s and early 2000s of what we see Hal attempting here with the slip and fall like lawsuit schemes. (laughs) Which I'm assuming has some like news like current event reason why it was so common at that time but uh being me i don't know that i just know that these plot lines were all over the place and uh the, the one that immediately comes to mind uh that came out the same year as this episode it came out earlier that year is uh the introduction of lucky into uh king of the hill which like that's like how he survives as he was uh involved in what may or may not have been uh <laughs> A, uh, you know, intentional slip and fall in order to uh, get a big lawsuit out of a company. Okay, okay. Well, and it's it's funny because the uh, show that is the offshoot from a Brian Cranston show, uh, Better Call Saul, yeah. that's like, you know, that character's origin is that's what he used to do. You're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of slip and falls around Brian Cranston's, all I'm saying. <laughs> Coincidence? I think I not. think not. Then uh that just leaves our shittiest and least shitty kid award. Correct. Uh who did you have as your least shitty kid this episode, David? Uh Dewey. Uh yeah. Fair. Yeah. He didn't really do anything shitty. That's true. And the other three did. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, speaking of those other three, which of yeah. them did you choose as shittiest kid, David? I went with Malcolm. Okay, fair enough. And I, I, I'm very particular as to why I chose Malcolm. Because not only is he whiny and shitty, as I've already established, is obnoxious, but on top of that, and the, the like, the thing that really seals the deal for me is that his shittiness inflicted pain on someone outside of the family. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas the other boys stuff didn't really. That's fair. 
I did consider Malcolm for that exact same reason, uh, but I did not end up choosing him, uh, largely because he does get comeuppance in this. <laughs> there is uh, some immediate karmic justice going on for Malcolm there. I actually went with Reese's shittiest kid this episode. Okay. For one very simple reason, David. And what's that? He ruined a Picasso painting in the cold open. Okay, I was wondering <laughs> if it was going to be the cold open. A hundred percent. Okay. It was uh, close between him and uh, Francis for uh, lying to Piyama. And for, you know... Costing Otto all of this money, apparently. But uh, I, I I had to give it to Reese for uh, destroying the, the, this art. That's fair. That's fair. I'm surprised you're not fighting me on that one. Yeah? <laughs> I was expecting pushback this time, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, like, I get it. Like, I don't think Picasso's all that, ra- you know, all that he's cracked up to be. But, like, I get why art his art has value. And destroying something like that is 100% like awful okay. i don't disagree i i just don't usually use the cold open against them often <laughs> like don't get me wrong i know i've done it but <laughs> uh yeah fair <laughs> uh, and he also uh potentially destroyed someone's tombstone in this episode <laughs> yeah at the very yeah. least rammed a bike into it which isn't great <laughs> uh yeah fair uh i did forget about that not gonna lie when I was uh, grading the kids. But yeah, still, I, I mean, Malcolm's directly getting an innocent bystander assaulted. Yeah, yeah, that's 100%. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. That that and his self-absorption. Just, just, and that's how he proves that he's not self-absorbed, by the way, is by getting a random stranger beat the fuck up. Like, you're a piece of shit, Malcolm. Uh, fair. (laughs) But, uh, that wraps up our awards. But we have a couple of segments left, beginning with the Cranston Connection, which is where we determine, uh, the connections between all of the characters played by Brian Cranston, as we have determined that in some form or fashion, they are all one character. And uh, this time around, I uh, was looking for the reason why uh, Hal would know how and so expertly be able to not only, you know, pick Malcolm's pocket without him noticing, but like without even looking, pull this credit card out uh, and like put it back in all going unnoticed. Uh And that has led me to uh, finding one of the shadier parts of this uh, shared character's uh, arc as when he was known as Vince in the show Sneaky Pete. Oh, Uh, I knew you were going to go to Sneaky Pete. (laughs) Damn it. Uh, He played a, uh, like, sort of mafia-connected, like, mob boss almost. He, like, ran a underground illegal casino was his main thing, and he dated a, like, con woman, and clearly his time in the seedy underbelly of this illegal gambling den and dating this con woman uh, is where he gained these skills that he uses to rob his own son here. 
Yep. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it, uh, it explains those pickpocking skills. Well, we'll see if they ever come up again. I imagine we'll see them again. I legitimately don't remember. <laughs> well, I just meant in his lifetime. I don't know if we'll see them again in Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, yeah, yeah. For sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Then that just leaves David's guessing game. Yeah, we can skip that. Well, I mean, this week you, uh, you you did initially very well, and then uh, started going downhill as you added more and more detail. Uh, talk about uh, it. You, you uh, were successful in your guess that uh, the, you know, Wilkerson's, like, continued financial troubles would, like, come up, and that as a result of that, they would be doing a homemade gifts Christmas deal uh, that you thought it would be Hal that was, like, Pushing for this as opposed to Lois, uh, which obviously, like that, that that is all correct. But then you you thought that uh, Hal would get upset, obsessed with making the perfect gift for Lois, uh, which obviously wasn't the case. The the thing that he like obsessed over was the boys' gift, and uh, you were correct though that uh, this would like drive him to uh, like Hal craziness levels, uh, which obviously was correct. Uh, and that he would be, like, paranoid about, uh, you know, getting the, the best gift for Lois. Uh, which, uh, you know, the... Y you were right about, like, what would be going on. You were just, like, wrong about, uh, the, the, like, gift. The specific gift that he would be obsessing about. Right. Uh, so I gave you a 92%. Oh, how generous. That's your Christmas present, David. I made no, it myself. Mm, did you? Yeah. Also, it's a long ways from Christmas. You can't give someone a Christmas present before Thanksgiving. Well, that's I just did. That's just improper. No, that's no. poor Christmas etiquette. I'm going to have to have you arrested, Jake. Okay. What? I don't believe in Christmas etiquette, David. The Grinch was right. The Grinch was not right. You take that back. <laughs> the Grinch was right. Fuck the Who's. No, you shouldn't do that either. <laughs> With their gabu torre. Their roast beasts. I'm going to pretend you didn't say that. Because I, I don't want to have to kick you out of my house. You, you don't come for the roast beast, motherfucker. You, you get back up on your lonely mountain, you piece of shit. Well, David. If the audience can't tell, we like the Grinch way too much. I mean, yeah. It's the best Christmas movie, David. Yeah, and if you come at me with this Jim Carrey bullshit, I, I will kick you out. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. There's only one Grinch movie. Correct. The real one. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't acknowledge the Benedict Cumberbatch one either. That's also Wait, there's fake. a Benedict Cumberbatch one? Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, another animated one. How did I miss that? Because uh, it's that a sounds... fake Grinch movie. I mean, it is 100% fake. Like, I don't have a loathe for Benedict Cumberbatch the way you do, but, like, that's not, that's not a Grinch movie. Exactly. Get in the comments if you disagree with us, because, uh... We're right. You're wrong. And I will die on this hill. Yeah. Alone with your tiny dog that you dress up like a reindeer. That's right. <laughs> Listen, you leave Max alone. Max is a beautiful, beautiful thing, okay? He's a treasure and he needs to be protected. I, mean, I agree. But uh, get, get, get it away from our uh, Grinch <laughs> soundtrack there. Uh, what do you think happens next week in How Sleepwalk? Oh, damn it. I was really trying to buy myself some time. Uh <laughs> <laughs> That's what the whole Grinch aside was about. So obviously Hal is going to sleepwalk. This is early 2000s, so probably related to like some sort of stressor. 
Um, well, specifically, this will be the first episode of 2005. Oh. Or you know what? I wonder if it has to do with, like, hypnosis. Like a stage hypnos- a hypnotist or something. Okay. Or, or God forbid, Reese fucking figures out how to hypnotize somebody. Hypnotize Hal and then start giving him orders. There's so many things that it could be. I think I'm going to go with, like, obviously Hal is, like, stressed out. I think that one's the most logical and makes the most sense. It fits the story, and he's going to start sleepwalking. And then maybe one of the boys starts messing with him. Like, I could see, like, a montage of, like, Reese, like, doing stuff like, you know, finding out Hal started to, like, sleepwalk. So he puts up, like, saran wrap on a doorway, you know? So he runs into it or, like... You know, starts messing with him, pranking him and stuff while he's sleepwalking. Because okay. he's the type of monster who would laugh at that. I mean, Malcolm would too. But I think I think Reese will probably, like, spearhead it. But I would not be surprised if the other boys join in. Okay. Yeah, that's about all I got. Not much, I know. Uh, yeah, that'll, uh, that'll work for me. Okay. That's enough to uh, give you a grade on. I just don't have a good guess as to anything else. Yeah. <laughs> It's our uh, second HAL title in a row. It is, which is strange. The pattern's being broken. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, that wraps this episode up. Thank you for listening. And as always, uh, thanks and credit to Jacob Newfeld, who does our intro and outro music. If you would like to find links to more of his music, you can do so in the episode descriptions. And if you would like to get in touch with us, you can do so by email, where we are life is unfairpod at gmail.com, or on Twitter, where we are unfair underscore podcast. And if you enjoy the banter back and forth here and want to catch us live, head on over to twitch.tv slash lpdeathray, where we stream video games, banter with the audience, and in general, have a good time. And as always, remember, life is unfair. Is it really, though? No. What the hell is happening? What just happened, David? Kenny. Kenny happened. God damn it. Kyle chased my wife downstairs, and then they were, like, off screen, just kind of-ish over here, fighting because I think Kyle's trying to get my wife to go out into the weather to buy something. I don't know. Okay. Order it then. What the- Is the Eric curse happening right now? <laughs> to me, in real life, yes. I'm not responsible for this. <laughs> it's the Kenny curse. Mm, that is alliterative. Mm. Must be true. <laughs>